Try that one more time. Let's just see if I can get some response out of you today. How many got ears to hear today? Yeah. All right. Now, um, been uh, over the last few weeks here, been talking uh, 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 through a series of uh, calling it Grace for Living. And um, we've been talking about grace. And um, every week, you know, kind of just trying to peel another layer back, so to speak, move into something a little bit uh, deeper and hopefully gaining some insight and revelation about it. Uh, the thing about, you know, ministering on a thing like this is, you know, sometimes we, we, we might think we have a certain idea about what, it, what it's about, and uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes we need to be... Um, sometimes we need to grab hold of more about what God is trying to say to us about the message of grace. Are you still with me? And so I'm going to ask um, that you would purpose to do something for me today. And that is to truly have ears to hear the whole service. That's a big, big thing to ask. Um, because sometimes we, we hear parts of it or we hear what we want to hear or sometimes we hear uh, you know, into it and we think we already know it so we just kind of tune out. And so I want you to hear it because I believe we have some answers. I believe we can change your life, change your household, amen, in every area of your life, amen. And so will you do that for me? Yeah. All right, so with that said, let's look at a few verses just for some review. And we're going to go to the book of Acts. Uh, let's put Acts uh, 20 up there, verse 32. We'll just kind of try to move through this fairly quick so we can get to what we have to do today. And he says this in Acts 20, as Paul talking. He said, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. Earlier he calls it the gospel of the grace of God. Amen. The good news of grace, the word of His grace. And this grace is able, it says here, able to build you up. Amen. And able to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. In other words, those that, who have given their life or set their life apart uh, for Christ. That's what that word is referring to. Okay, so build you up and give you an inheritance. We're talking about a grace for living. So if we will grab hold of the message, the good news, the word of His grace, one of the things it begins to do is build us up. Now that just means to be built upon um, it just refers to stuff being strengthened, stuff being, uh, you know, uh, being added to, being increased. Literally means uh, built upon, 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 upon. So there's stuff that gets developed and built in your life uh, just by drawing on grace. Secondly, it says an inheritance. Everybody say an inheritance. inheritance. The word inheritance here uh, means a possession, portion, or allotment. It means lot or as we would say, uh, uh, your lot in life, okay? So this word inheritance is referring to your allotment or your lot in life. If you want to, uh, if you want to be built up and you want to receive your lot in life, then you're going to need to hear what we're talking about. Are you with me? Because there's a lot of things maybe we're receiving that may not be your lot in life. There might be things happening in your life, and you think, man, what, you know, what about this, what about that? And it may not be 
God might have something for you that blows the doors off anything you got now. All right? So the word lot, so as a lot in life, refers to fortune or for, uh, future or destiny. So in other words, if you want to receive your future, your destiny, your lot in life, your allotment, amen, all that God has, has uh, destined for you, amen, then you need to hear what we're talking about and not just take it for granted. Let's go to the next verse. It's Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 17. And uh, sometime here, as I said, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks, we'll probably take, uh, go through Romans 5 a little bit more in depth. Uh, but let's look at this verse, a key verse. says, for if by one man's offense, verse 17, for if by one man's offense, of course, in context, talking about the first Adam and what, you know, the mistake he made, uh, because of his offense, death reigned, through the one. In other words, through that, it opened the door, amen, for, for ruin and destruction to come in, the curse to come in. Much more those who receive. So something shifted, something changed, and in context, talking about what the second Adam, what Jesus did, amen, far exceeds anything that what Adam did. That's the whole text, okay, that's going on here in Romans. Okay, so... He says, if you will receive, everybody say receive. receive. Now, the, 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 the point being made is that you have to receive it. So the, you have the implication is this, it implies that you may not be receiving it. The word receive here, lambano, is the Greek word, and it means to seize what's being offered. To take it, to grab hold of it, to seize, amen, What's been offered? Amen. All right, you with me? So, what do we receive? Well, first, it says receive an abundance of grace. Everybody say abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. There's an abundance of grace. Now, let's define grace again. Probably should have done that in the last verse. Grace means uh, a gift, favor, um, something that's been offered, but it refers to a divine influence, a God influence upon the heart, and its reflection in your life. Divine influence, impartation, impact to affect is what that word uh, uh, influence means. So a divine influence upon your heart. Everybody say your heart. heart. Now it's not talking about your blood pump. Amen. Uh, Cardio is the the Greek word where we get our word cardio. Um, And uh, it means uh, the core, center, the seat of control. That's why whatever's in the seat of control, the word is very clear that out of that comes the issues of life. Out of that comes words. Out of that comes actions. Everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all comes out of each individual, the heart of man. Hello, somebody. All right. So everything comes out of the heart of man. Whatever's in there, especially in abundance, it will manifest. All right? Now, that's necessary to know that. So that's why we want to affect the heart. We want to be influenced, a divine influence, not a worldly influence, not something out there. We want God influence upon the heart because when our heart is influenced, amen, in other words, when grace manifests, it's reflected in your life. So if we receive the abundance 
of grace, that divine influence, amen, and of the gift of righteousness, which earlier says a free gift, amen. Righteousness just means being in a place of right standing with, made right, amen. How many know you were made right? Amen. And because you were made right, it made a way for you, amen. You have no more excuses, hello, you have no more hindrances, you have no more uh, limitations when it comes time to go unto God. And that's why later on in this chapter it says grace reigns through righteousness. Because why? God made a way for you. You can't say that I can't get divinely influenced. I can't hook up with God because I'm too dirty or I made mistakes or I stumbled or I fell away or whatever. You can't go there anymore because you've been made righteous. So the reason for that, and I'll just say this, the heart of God and the whole plan of redemption was to restore fellowship with man. God and man. No more hindrances. That's what it's all about. So when you receive Jesus, that word, uh, you've been made now the righteousness of God based on what Christ did. And when that happens, that means you have access to God. That's key when we're talking about grace. Because there's a lot of people that won't go to God. They'll run from God, but they won't run to God. I'm trying to get you to run to God every moment you can. Can I hear a big amen? amen? All right, so those that receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, what will happen? Well, you're going to reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. The word reign there means literally confidence, uh, stability, amen. It means to reign as a king is what it means. In fact, some of your translations will even say that. But it means the foundation of power. Everything's based off this. If you can get this working in you, you'll reign. It's the foundation of power. It's where everything comes out of. Amen. You can start reigning in life as a child of God. Amen. You can be the men and women of God you're called to be. Praise God. Amen. You will, praise God, be built up and you will receive your inheritance. Amen. So this is key. So with that said, the next verse, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And we're going to spend uh, probably the, the remainder of our time today in Hebrews 4. Uh, so let's maybe all turn there so we can kind of bounce around there a little bit. But the last verse, the last verse in this text um, is a verse that we've, we've used uh, the last couple weeks. We're going to use it again today, and then we're going to kind of dissect this chapter especially, because both chapters 3 and chapters 4 are all basically, well, it's probably even more than that, but at least those two chapters really are trying to come across to bring, uh, bring something to you. And he sums it up in, in verse 16, okay? And he says, let us therefore, or because of everything that we just heard, everything you just read, which is what we're going to do in a minute, because of all of that, therefore, you, okay, come boldly, come with confidence, come with assurance, Amen. You have no more hindrance. You can come with confidence. You can come boldly. To what? The throne of grace. If you want grace, you're going to have to hang out with the one that has it. Come on, somebody. Amen. If you want the grace of God, you've got to go to the God of grace. Is anybody hearing me today? So I want to hang out at the throne of grace. Why? Well, I'm going to first obtain mercy, which is good. Amen. We'll touch on that again here in a minute. Obtain mercy, grab hold of mercy, but it says, and here we go, find grace to help in time of need. 
One translation, and actually, if you look in the Greek, it says, for the need. So whatever the need may be, it's for the need. You have grace for the need. Amen. Hallelujah. And in time, to help in time. Everybody say in time. In time. Actually, it's a, uh, the, the, the root out of that comes out of that word kairos, amen, which means a divine moment or divine opportunity. So every time you come into God, you come to the throne of grace, you're not only drawn on some mercy, but you're drawn, uh, you're finding, you're discovering, that word also means to find or discover grace, a divine influence now for God, amen, to impart into you, to impact you, amen, to influence you, amen. Why? So you can live this thing like you're supposed to, right? So no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're dealing with, that's why, you know, the enemy uh, tries to trick us that when we stumble, when we fall, amen, to really tries to get you to run from God. Because now you're, you've messed up and you've blown it and, and you know, try, but the whole time your answer's in God. So no matter what has happened, amen, no matter what you're dealing with, what you're going through, no matter the need, no matter the issue, no matter the weakness, no matter the inability, no matter what it is, you have an answer in God that will take care of it. And so the more time you spend there, the more empowered you get. And when you get empowered, all of a sudden he's building and you're receiving your inheritance and you're starting to reign in life like you're supposed to, praise God. Amen. Walking and talking and living the life that we're called to. Can I hear a big amen? Okay. All right. Now, so let's, let's, let's shift gears here and let's take a look at this chapter. And I'm going to kind of, I guess i got to just kind of do it as, I, as it came to me. Uh, so um, remember now, uh, verse 16 kind of sums it up. But let's back up here to verse, uh, verse 9. And I'm going to read the whole thing before it's over with, but we're going to go to verse 9 first. And let's take a look at this thing now from another angle. And it says here, there remains therefore... And you're going to see here, now we're going to come back later and read it, because he's, he just got done saying a bunch more stuff. And he says, now because of all this, therefore, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Everybody say a rest. Yeah. Amen. A rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest. In other words, is there anybody in here who wants to enter into the rest of God? Yeah. All right. What is the rest of God? Well, Let's look at it, okay? The word rest uh, means reposing down, which means to relax. It means to, you know, like if you, if, uh, you, know, you just kind of, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm just reposing, I'm just relaxing, okay? I'm relaxing, all right? It means to abode, to remain or continue in something, to reside poised. So in other words, you're not cowering, you're not under it. You're poised, but you're relaxed and you're poised. Are you hearing me? That's what this word rest means. It means ease of mind and ease, E-A-S-E, ease of mind. And it means stillness, okay, which is uh, maybe a reference for that would be Psalms 46. It says that, um, you know, to be still and know that I'm God. Amen. And so you're not all caught up in it. Basically what it refers to when you talk about the rest of God, it's a stress-free life. It doesn't mean a life that you do nothing. Because, you know, rest 
you know, maybe we might look at rest as, you know, just time with the pillow. Huh? Or time in the lazy boy. Come on, somebody. But, uh, you know, none of that's bad. I mean, if you need a pillow, then get your pillow. Just don't bring it here. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, you might need time with rest. That's all good. But we're talking about now this, the rest of God is a stress-free life. Now, grace is all about a stress-free life. Okay? So in Kata, he's dealing with entering into the rest of God, that there is a rest for the people of God, amen, that we're all called to enter into. Are you still with me? Now, how many of you promised, uh, well, I mean, that's a strong word. Uh, how many of you in here said that you would give me your ears to hear for the whole service? Seven of you. Wow. Okay, only seven of you. Well, then seven of you are going to get it. Let's, how many in here are going to give me your ears for the whole service? Yeah. All right, don't shut me off now. So, um, back to Hebrews and 4. Verse uh, 10 again. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works. So it ain't about you performing that gets it done. It's about entering into his rest, amen, allowing God to do what God does, amen. And so we cease from our works as God did from his, amen. It just, you know, talks about, you know, in Genesis, amen, after, amen, right? On the seventh day he rested, right? Well, that's, that'll come up here for, for too long. Verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now, in context, he's, he's, he's relaying what happened with the children of Israel and how that they never entered into the rest of God. Why? Because they did not receive. They, the word says their example was an example of disobedience because they would not receive it. They would not believe it. They would not choose to enter into it. Hello? It was available. But they chose not to. All right? So he says, we don't want to follow that example because we could. All right? For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. He didn't change gears. He didn't stop and pause for station identification. Hello, somebody? And change the subject. It's all part of it. And we'll come back to that in just a second. And there is no creature, verse 13, no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. In other words, God knows everything that's going on. God knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your household. He knows what's going on in your family. He knows the things you're dealing with. He knows the pressure you're under. God knows everything that's going on. Amen. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Some of you just got nervous. Saying, you mean he, know, he knows everything? You know, even when you repent for, uh, for a mistake or for sin doesn't mean that's the first time God found out about it. I mean, know that, right? I mean, he already knows what's going on. Amen. But this isn't just referring to, you know, the mistakes you make. But this also refers to God knows the pressure you're under. God knows the stuff you have to deal with. He knows household things and family things and all the stuff that's going on. Then he says in verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, 
He explains who that is. Who's our great high priest? Jesus, right? In case you don't know who it is, Jesus is the Son of God, right? Let us hold fast our confession. In other words, let's not waver off this. Jesus, who is our Lord, our Savior, the Son of God, who God so loved the world that He sent this Son. Why? That whoever would believe on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life, praise God. That one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever is always there for you, praise God. On your side, knows what you're going through, knows the pressures, knows the circumstances, and He's with you. Can I hear a big amen? Now, we hold fast our confession. Why? For we uh, do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. The word weakness just means an inability. In other words, he knows exactly what you're dealing with. He knows every, every, uh, strength, every, uh, pardon me, every weakness you have. Now, he knows every inability. He knows the things you're dealing with and struggling with. Are you still with me? Now, this all, this all fits together. Okay, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So you can't say yet that God don't understand. And you can't say God just don't know about these pressures I'm under. God don't know about these temptations. You can't say that. Nobody can say those things. So the point being made, then he goes on to say, come therefore, amen, to the throne of grace. Why? Because the one who understands everything, the one who designed you, the one who made you, the one who made your spouse, the one who made your kid, the one who made that thing there and dealt with this and gave you that and helped you with this. Come on, somebody. The one that understands how it works, the one that even knows the temptations you're under. Amen. Knows exactly what it's like. Come on, somebody. Knows exactly what you're dealing with. The one that understands it all is asking you, please, come to the house. Let's talk. Let me help you with it. Amen. So you can enter in to the rest of God. So you can enter in to a stress-free life. Let's back up here. Let's go to let's go to verse verse 11 again. And it says uh, let us therefore be diligent, right, to what? Enter that rest. Okay, everybody say enter. Now the word enter, I mean, you would kind of think, you know, when you stop and you view it, it just means to uh, coming in or coming into something, all right? It means uh, to, uh, uh, to arise and go in. So it's referring to there's motion on your part. So when he says to enter in, it means you, you, in a sense, not necessarily physically, but inside you are rising to go into something. And it literally means to go through something. So it's referring to, hello, like a doorway or a portal. Are you still with me? A portal, the best, I don't know how to explain portal. The best way I can say it is if you ever watch Star Trek. You know, beam me up. Huh? Come on. It's exactly what it is. He really beams you up? Yes, he does. It's a portal. So when you arise on the inside and make motion toward him, it's like all of a sudden. Where are you at? Well, right now, 
I'm at the throne of grace. And the one who has all grace, the one who has all the answers and knows everything I'm going through, I'm right now connected, amen, I'm right now fellowshipping, I'm right now communing with the one that has all the answers. What God is trying to get us back to is walking with Him in the cool of the day, daily. That has never changed. Adam botched it up through, a, uh, through committing high treason. But the whole time since then, God has worked toward getting man back to communing, walking, and fellowshipping with him in the cool of the day constantly. The word cool of the day refers to uh, breath, wind, uh, current. So the same uh, we've done this many times. We've been taking you through the scriptures in Genesis where he breathed life into Adam. Amen. He became now a living being because of the breath of life. And from there on, every day, God wants to breathe into you. That never stopped. The more you will let God breathe into you, the more you're influenced, the more you're influenced, praise God, the more you reign in life, the more you walk in your abundance, you walk in your inheritance, the more you're built up. Why? Because God is breathing into me every single day. And if there is no, if there is no influence, if there is no breath breathing, being breathed in you daily, then guess what? You're not living in grace. We have established that over the last three weeks. Because there's a difference. You can fall short of grace. You can come up short. You can be driven off course of grace. You, you may not receive grace. You could uh, get, be at a place where you're not continuing in grace. The scriptures are filled with verses on that. Are you with me? And we have established that you, the only way to draw on grace is to move toward God. That's it. Right? It ain't nowhere else. So I have to move toward Mr. Divine to get divine influence. If I get divine influence, I can walk in grace. I can walk in the empowerment. Amen. And live this where my life now is being reflected through my heart. Why? Because my heart, my, my seat of control, my will has been affected by influence. God has breathed into me. It changes me. It changes you. So now that I can live according to that. Now hear, hear me out. If we're not letting God breathe into us on a daily basis. In fact, I'm just going to say this. Our patriarchs of faith, every one of them that did something, there's one or two things or both of these things that you're going to see concerning the patriarchs of faith. I'm talking about both Old Covenant and New Covenant. The scriptures are clear. They either record that they walk with God or they refer to God as the living God. Both of them refer to intimacy, communion, fellowshipping with God on a one-to-one -one basis. One-on-one. -on -one. Communion. Fellowshipping. Why did that patriarch of faith do what he did? Why did she do what she did? Because they walked with God. They communed with God. They fellowship with God. God led them, guided them, directed them, walked them through it. Power was released, and we have some results. Come on, somebody. All right, you still with me? Okay, so if we're not being breathed into, if we're not, if we're not communing with God, then we're not walking in grace. Now, I'm talking to children of God. This is where you got to have your ears on. 
I ain't talking about the world. I'm talking about you and me as children of God. If we're not walking in grace, then probably the only thing you're walking in is mercy. At least we hope you're at least walking in that much. But a lot of people, listen, uh, a lot of people are living off of mercy only. So every time you stumble, you make a mistake, you, you, you might, you know, you might look to God for, for the blood of Jesus to cover it. You might look to God for somehow to, to make this better. And, and so what we do is we get, we get the, the mistake covered, and then we brush ourselves off, hopefully, and we get back up and just keep moving. And then you go about three more steps and you stumble again. And we look up crying because we made a mistake again. God, forgive me. And, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, if you made a mistake, yeah, you want God, right? Come on. You want mercy. Come on. You want to repent. You want to turn. Absolutely. But what we're trying to do is to get you beyond just drawing on mercy. You got to get grace. Because grace is what empowers you to keep moving forward. If all we're living off of is mercy... If we're not letting God divinely influence us, somehow speak into us, amen, what happens is you are destined for the fall again. You are destined to make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. And you may say, I don't want to be that. I don't want to do that. I, whatever. You, that's, not, that's, not what's gonna, that's not what's gonna bring you into your inheritance. The only thing that brings you in your inheritance is letting Mr. Divine divinely influence you, amen, where somehow you're stopping long enough to let him breathe into you. Praise God for his mercy. We're not taking away from mercy. But I ain't going to live my whole life just on mercy. Because if you're just going to live on mercy, you gain nothing. You're constantly under it. And I'm going to say this, you're going to die unfulfilled. Do I have your ears? I don't want none of you in this room, none watching by internet or listening by internet, to walk an unfulfilled life as a child of God. And we have to understand there are many who do. Are you with me? There are many who have callings that never see them come into fruition. It had leadings of God that never manifested because it didn't stop long enough to keep drawn on divine influence to walk this out. Still with me? Okay, let's go back up to Hebrews 4. Let's go to verse 1. Amen. Verse 1. And it says this, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest. Everybody say a promise. Everybody here... Everybody listening, everybody watching, amen. We can walk, amen, in a stress-free life, period. Amen. So, it's a promise. It says it remains, there remains the promise of entering His rest. And it says here, let us fear lest, in other words, it just means let's give some attention to this. Let's not look at this lightly. Let's give some attention to this. Because we could end up coming up short of it. Are you hearing me? Now, it makes, it says here, it says short of rest, but it's the same thing. Remember, we could come up short of grace. It's saying the same thing, but it says, lest you, any of you come up short of that rest of God, which we could. Verse 2, let's keep going. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us. What gospel? Well, the things you've been hearing 
playlist. This good news, this, this gospel, amen, this, this grace, amen, is being preached to us as well as to them. It was preached to the children of Israel just like it has been to you and me. Are you still with me? When the children of Israel were taken out, were out of the house of bondage, out of Egypt, the scriptures are clear. God says he was calling them unto himself. And so he said, I want you, Moses, to, uh, let, uh, to go in there, get my people, bring them to the mount of God, amen, to worship. And the scripture says that he was calling them unto himself. That has never changed. So he gets them out of Egypt through a whole course of events. You all saw the movie, right? Huh? They all come out, cross the Red Sea. Come on. Red Sea closes in on the enemies. Come on, they sing and dance. You know, me and my green tambourine, you know, kind of thing going on. Right, right, all right. Everybody's excited. And then from there on, it starts. What? I'm, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. What are we going to do about all this? What about all that? What about this? What about that? What about this? Stop stressing. Well, we should should go back to Egypt. Huh? It's the house of bondage. Why would you want to go back to Egypt? Well, you know, things were better back there. Huh? God gives them water out of a rock. Boom. Water pours out of a rock. Where'd that water come from? It come out of a rock. Rains down manna. Nobody had a clue what it was, but they could eat it. Uh, In fact, the word manna means what is it? That's what it means. Literally, manna means what is it? So they're all pulling and going, well, what is it? I don't know. What is it? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. You know how we do. You try it. Right? You smell it. Uh, You eat it. You try it. Not bad. Not bad. Let's make burgers out of it. Okay, yeah. All right. Man of pie, man of burgers. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Man of cookies, you know. Quail comes from who knows where every day. Come on, all this stuff God was doing and calls them unto the mountain. Come and worship. Now, nah, Moses, you go. It's no different than today. The same message that was preached to them. You can have this. Come unto me. Come. Come unto me. Let me walk you through this. Nah, nah, it's okay. I'll stay back here. Moses, you go. No different. We do the same stuff. Pastor, you go. Wife, you go. Kathy's not here at the moment, but Kathy and the prayer team, you give them a prayer card. Nothing wrong with any of this. You hope your wife's praying. You hope your pastor's praying. Come on, somebody. And you hope the prayer team's praying. Come on, somebody. All that's right. All that's good. But if you're just counting on the prayer team to get your job done, come on, somebody. And you're not going to draw on grace. You're going to live an unfulfilled life. Okay. So the gospel that was preached to them or preached to us is the same thing that was preached to them. All right? But what happened with it? Well, the word which they heard didn't profit them any. Huh? It didn't profit them. Even after all that he did, it didn't even profit them. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith in those that heard it. 
Last week we talked about faith. You know, faith is a reliance and a dependence on God. It's a movement toward God. If you want to say you have faith in God, the word says this, faith without any kind of corresponding action is dead. So if there is no movement toward God, you could talk all day about you got faith and you don't. Come on, somebody. Are you still with me? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, but then it requires some action. requires you movement toward God. In this context, if everything is being said, all he's asking is, please come to me. Even Jesus said, if you come unto me, I'll give you rest. And then he goes on to say, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So in other words, it doesn't excuse you from, from energy being extended. It doesn't excuse you from work being done. It doesn't excuse you from service. It doesn't excuse you from doing things. He just says, listen, if you hook up to me, you can get her done. If you hook up to me, I'll walk you through it. If you hook up to me, you can enter into rest. If you hook up to me, you won't be stressed out. If you hook up to me, you ain't going to have all this thing on you feeling like it's all about what you do and don't do. Nobody understands all the pressure I'm under. Well, you shouldn't be under all that pressure. Well, that's what I've been trying to tell them. It has nothing to do with them. It has to do with you spending time with the only one that has a grace for you to walk it. I'm not mad. I'm just a little intense. Everybody will good with that? I mean, okay, okay. You still have ears to hear it? Or did you shut me off already? All right, because we got, we got to get somewhere. Amen. Okay, so back over here. So I want to be one that has faith. Amen. I want to mix faith with what I hear. How about you? All right, so he goes on, verse 3. For we who have believed do enter that rest. Huh? So in order to enter into rest, we have to, be, we have to believe. Um, I, I didn't give them that, the, the, the verse back there, but chapter 3, verse 19 says, So we see that they could not enter into that rest because of their unbelief. But here it says in verse 3 that if we believe, amen, we can enter into that rest. In other words, it's, it comes out of the same root word that the word faith is. So if we, if we rely on God, trust in God here, move toward God, we can enter into that. We can have it. Are you still with me? Listen, we sometimes, listen, because we know in our head what we should do, we think we're doing it. Just because you know in your head what you should do doesn't mean you're doing it. You think you're moving toward God just because you know in your head you're supposed to. So I swore in my wrath, this is a quote, uh, uh, I believe out of, uh, I want to say Psalms, okay? Uh, so I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my, my rest, why? Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. In other words, everything they needed, I had. Everything they needed was already bought and paid for, done. Everything was there. Anything they could have ever needed, I had. But they wouldn't enter in. They wouldn't move toward me. They tried to make everybody else do it. They wouldn't move toward me themselves. Listen, the tent of meeting. We have millions. Uh, most of your scholars agree there were several million uh, uh, Jews there. Okay, out there in the wilderness. And several million. Okay. So think about everything that's going on. Just think about the, the you know, the... You know, how many tents and the, 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 you know, 
the, the amount of water it would take, the amount of food it would take, all of that. And God the whole time is showing them, I've got everything you need. There was one tent that was set up out on the edge. There was a pillar of cloud that stood by day and a pillar of fire that stood by night, constantly signifying the presence of God. Next to that was a tent called the Tent of Meeting. Everybody was welcome to the Tent of Meeting. Everybody. It wasn't closed off to just a select few. Anybody that wanted to go to the Tent of Meeting to commune with God could do it. Moses went. In fact, if you have that Exodus uh, 33, and I want to say verse 11. Uh, Thank you. Uh, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle, or the tent of meeting, it means. Now, it's it's, it's key, because who took him into the promised land? You can start seeing it. Moses went there. Moses had a a fellowship with God, like a friend to a friend. We're not taken away. He's a man of faith and power. He did glorious things, but he also came up short in the end. He let his attitude get the best of him. He got mad. He blew it, crossed the line. Why is that? It's no different than you and me. Has anybody else in this house ever made a mistake, crossed the line? I know when I cross the line, I know one thing. I didn't have enough time with God today. That's my first thought. I didn't enter in like I should have today. And I can tell. Is anybody else? Can you, can you be honest enough with yourself to know that? And so Joshua, which is key, sticks around in there. Why? Because he could. He wasn't, he wasn't a priest. Yeah, he's a young man. And yet he'd hang out there with God. When he went up on the mount, who was the one hanging around the corner? And the word says when Moses was coming down, there was Joshua. Joshua never did leave. So the one that was even up there in the cloud, drawing on sustenance from God for 40 days and 40 nights, there was somebody kind of hanging out on the perimeter, hooking up too. Come on, somebody. It's just, it's all, it's all, it all feeds into it. Okay? Listen, let's go on down here. Verse, uh, let's go to verse 4. For he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in, in, in this way, and God is explaining this rest, okay? And, and, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. These are just quotes out of the old, out of the old covenant, one out of Genesis, one out of Psalms 95. Since therefore it remains... There, uh, there, that, here we go. there remains that some must enter it. In other words, there's a rest that he keeps talking about. And those to whom it had, was first preached did not enter. Why? Because they just wouldn't, they wouldn't hook up. They wouldn't, release, they wouldn't receive it. So he says it was so based on their own disobedience. He just asked them, come. God will do anything you said. God will, come, will do anything you want. God, you just tell me and I'll do whatever you want. Well, come, come talk to me. Well, I ain't got time. I, I'm busy. I got a job, man. I mean, come on. 
come, come unto me. I want, I want to help you through this. Listen, I, I'm married. I got issues and I got problems. And come on. Would you please come talk to me? Listen, I got kid problems now. Would you bother me later? Right now I got kid problems. Well, you, we come talk. But listen, I got financial issues, man. I mean, I got to get out. I got to have the second job, the third job, the fifth job. Because somebody's got to bring the bread in in this home. Would you please come talk to me? I ain't got time. Nobody understands what I go through. Nobody knows the pressure I'm under. If you understood, you wouldn't be asking me to go spend time with God. Because I ain't got time. You can't afford not to spend time with God because you're all stressed out and you're under it. And the one that can help you through it and bring you into a place of rest is the one calling you right now saying, please come. And you keep refusing him. In fact, in uh, Hebrews 12 and verse 25, it says that's the very same thing. It says the same thing. Do not refuse him who speaks for if they did not escape. And there was the children of Israel. If they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth. How much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven? In other words, the same thing, same results they got, we can get. In other words, if you want to cruise around in your wilderness for 40 years, have at it. And then you go on, you don't gain what you should, you don't receive the inheritance you should, you don't walk in the fulfillment you should, you die an unfulfilled individual, even though the, great, the greater one dwells on the inside, you got the access to the Word of God, the Holy Ghost, you got access to everything God has, and I'm not mad. I know, but... I'm just saying it's, and we, and we go along and we, we get mad at God, mad at the church, mad at the preacher, mad at others, mad at our family, mad at our spouse, mad at our boss, mad at our government. And the one that has all the answers who knows exactly what you're going through wants to walk you through it. I'm just too busy. Talk to the hand because the head ain't listening. And don't tell me you've never done that. You might not have used those words, but see, your actions are speaking that. He goes on to say, uh, since uh, verse 7, again, I guess we're in verse 7, says, again, he designates a certain day. There's a time. There's some rest. Come on. Saying to David, today. Everybody say today. 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 Amen. That refers to every day. Amen, is what it's talking about. Today, amen, if you will hear his voice. In fact, he repeats this several times through this text. Chapter 3, verse 7, chapter 3, verse 15. We see it here in this verse here. He's talking about there's a time. The whole thing is trying to move you towards you. Listen, if you want to receive grace, guess what? Because God's trying to speak to you. God's trying to talk to you on a daily basis. God wants to, he wants to commune with you. He wants to walk with you in the cool of the day. Let him breathe into you on a daily basis. Today, if you will hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts. Then it said, verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. In other words, what he says here, Joshua wasn't the one to give you rest. Even though Joshua had the answer, and Joshua received the rest and received the grace, led the people, come on, into the promised land, and I'm even going to go as far as to say this. Your rest is not in your promised land. 
That's not where your rest is. Your rest is not in the blessing. Are you hearing me? You're called to the blessing. You should walk in the fullness of the blessing. You should walk in the fullness of your promised land in God. A land flowing with milk and honey is all yours. But your rest comes only with time spent with God. Some of you, well, if I had enough money, don't go there. You might have enough money to have somebody else take care of that, somebody else take care of that, but it brings its own set of problems. Come on, somebody. And if you're not moving in God, even all that abundance of blessing that God even brought your way can't bring you rest. Your rest is only found in time spent with God. And you should walk in the blessing. And you should walk in your promised land. He goes on. Let's read it now. We read part of this already. There remains therefore, even though Joshua did what he did, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Amen. Let's purpose to move toward that. Why? It says here, lest we fall, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience for the word of God. Well, how does this fit in here? Well, first off, most of the time we read this verse and we instantly run to the B-I-B-L-E, right? The Word of God. But the word there, Word of God, is the Greek word logos, which means a God-breathed word. It means a divine expression, inspired word. But it means a form of communication or speech or utterance. Now, what you have in... In here, are you still giving me your ear? Just give me 10 more minutes. Lock on. This word here is living and powerful. But this is a recorded utterance. God breathed. God breathed it. God spoke it. It was recorded for you and me to have it. So when it says that the Word of God is living and powerful... It doesn't exclude this. But you have to understand, it isn't just this. In context, he is dealing with daily communion, daily receiving, daily hearing, and his sheep know his voice, hear his voice, and follow his voice. But if we don't ever hook up, we don't ever connect, we don't ever spend time with him, how are you ever going to hear what needs to be heard? And how are you ever going to follow something you never hear? So he goes on to say that if you go there and you receive today, although they didn't, in fact, I will go one step further and say this. Do you remember Joshua 24? At the end, all of us remember, what's, how's he worded? He says, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I remember that. Woo, we all go, woo, that's right. We, we make plaques and we hang them on the wall and it's our refrigerator verse and all that kind of stuff. But you know, in context, he's, he's, this is after he's already got them in the promised land, already divided up the land, and he's rebuking them. And he's telling them, you're all going to fall away. Not so, Joshua. Yeah, you will. 
It's inevitable. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. But you're all going to have issues. And you're going to do the same thing your fathers did. You say, and he say, well, that arrogant son of a gun. I'll tell you, well, who does he think he is saying that kind of stuff? Uh, who does he think we will to serve God? No. You say, well, how could Joshua say it? Because you don't spend any time with him. You don't commune with him. You don't walk with him. None of you takes any time to commune and talk with God. And because you don't talk with God, it's inevitable. You're going to take wrong paths, and you're going to end up doing the same thing and repeat history that your fathers did. Because you spend no time with God. There's no communion. There's no fellowship. And if you don't have that, it's inevitable to take wrong steps, go down wrong roads, wrong paths, to, to end up doing things you said you'd never do, to say things you said you'd never say, to respond in ways you said you'd never do again. Because none of us are exempt from it. What a day to preach a message. It's a good thing we're going to have some food later. Some of you, maybe you'll still love me. Pay for your burger. <laughs> so what happens? Well, this living and powerful word, when you hear God on a daily basis, that's exactly what it becomes. It's life. It's alive. My, my morning time spent, I have a, a, a yellow tablet that I keep close because it's inevitable when I hook up with him, there's always something he tells me. And that word is what I need to hear for the day. Sometimes it's about a message. Sometimes it's about something I need to do or something I need to say. Sometimes it's about something about my life. Sometimes it's about something about my marriage or something about raising my kids or something about finance. Daily. Today, if you'll hear his voice. And if you'll follow it, you can come into a stress-free life. You don't have to be all stressed out about your job and your, your life and your marriage and your family. But if you don't ever spend time with him, then you never hear those things. And so you go on being stressed because I've got to handle this. I've got to take care of this. Somebody's got to bring the, work, uh, bring the money in. Somebody's got to take care of that situation. Somebody's got to make sure that, you know, the, the kids are uh, taken care of and this is taken care of and that's taken care of and there's food on the table and the clothes are washed or whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with. And we said, well, you mean God will wash my clothes for me? Well, I don't know, maybe. Well, I believe that, you know, God's got answers for all these things. I said God has answers for all these things. You might be amazed at what God does, what God shows you, what God walks you through, and all of a sudden you come into a stress-free living. It's like that just took the pressure off me. That just lifted the weight. So this word, when he speaks, now in context, what he's talking about, something he's uttering to you on a daily basis. It's living in power. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. What's it do, though? It, it, it pierces even a division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it's a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Because remember, nothing's hidden from God. God knows exactly what you're going through, what you're dealing with. God knows exactly your, your weakness, your inability. He knows exactly the temptation. He goes on, he said, that's why I come to the throne of grace to obtain. So let's just real quick, and I'll let you go. Okay, so piercing of di division of soul and spirit. Okay, soul and spirit. Bottom line, it just says this. 
it, when, when you spend time with God, you st- God comes right in there and like a two-edged sword through something he says, it begins to show you that's of you, this is of me. Bottom line. How many times do we have questions, was that me or was that God? Well, you spend time with him, he might, he might give you that answer. He'd say, you know, that wasn't you, that was me. Or he might say, that wasn't me, that was you. And sometimes it gives you answers. I have had many of things where I have scratched my head saying, why did that happen? Why did this happen? Why did that? And the Spirit of God just by spending, he said, listen, that was all your plan. That wasn't my plan. <laughs> you, just, you just jumped on it and ran with it. You didn't even hear me about it. And it's like all of a sudden it's like gives you answers. And, and you know, for whatever it's worth, you know, what you start in the flesh, you have to maintain by the flesh. And that ain't fun, especially if you're starting a whole bunch of things, a bunch of Ishmaels in your life. And now you have to maintain all them Ishmaels. And you're wondering why God's abandoned you. God didn't abandon you. God said, I never even called you any of that mess. I'm over here. Hey, yo, yo, over here. Come over here and talk to me, and I'll walk you through some of this mess. Because God's merciful. <laughs> Hallelujah. But he says, I also have an empowerment to get you past this, get you through this, so that doesn't have to hold you hostage for the rest of your life. So, soul and spirit, joint and mara. Best way to define that is um, a joint referring to like an elbow, a wrist, a hip, uh, maybe even a joint in a, in a vertebrae, some kind of. But uh, how many know that all of that's important? Have you ever, have you ever boogered? I boogered up a shoulder you know, a few years back, you know? And, uh, boy, you realize real quick how much you need that thing. Huh? Have you ever boogered up a knee or an elbow or something or a wrist or something, and you really realize, whew, I needed that. Why? Because it's important. It's important. Uh, do I still have your ears? Come on, we're winding down. Come on. Come on, hang on. All right. That's important. But Mara, bone Mara is not just important, dude. It's critical. So when God is talking to you, not only does he, he, he kind of bring that fine line to show you what's of him and what's of you, but he starts showing you what's really important here and what's critical. And most of the stuff that's important, it's amazing. We'll all find a verse to justify what we feel is important. And God says it is important. But you're missing what's critical. And because you're missing what's critical, you're going to lose what's important. And I have seen that so many times through the body of Christ, I can't even begin to count how many times I've seen that. Well, that's important. Well, of course it's important. The Word even says, the Bible says, of course it's important, but you're missing what's critical. And if you don't spend time with God, you don't walk through this and you start thinking everything else is so important. And in the end, you lose it. Because you wouldn't give heed to what was critical. But every day spent with God, it keeps all of that in check. And you maintain those things. That's critical. And as a result, then all those things you think is important, Amen, that is important to God, amen, but 
you can maintain that right. It no longer stresses you out. It no longer overwhelms you. So soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it's a discerner. So how many times have you talked with God and God says, you know, that's wrong motive, Jerry. Or bad attitude, son. Or maybe he never talks that stuff to you, but he talks that to me. I'm going along thinking, man, man, I'll tell you what, man, I just want to get caught up in something. The Spirit of God goes, um, isn't worth it. Let it go. But, 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 just let it go. Uh, you don't. It comes in there and begins to keep your thoughts straight. Because listen, if your thoughts get off, you get your thinking off, you get your thoughts off, pretty soon we're going down the wrong road. Pretty soon we're all offended, we're all mad, we're all this, we're all that. And we all think we're justified. But see, daily time with God, God now speaking just one word, just says, would you let me handle that? What just happened? Well, a living and powerful statement just came to you that sets you free, lifted off the burden. Come on, somebody, where you can walk life today without being stressed out about somebody else's bad choice or bad decision. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. The whole time to keep your intentions and your thoughts straight. Amen. Time spent with God does that. Just little bitty things. We think when we go to God, for sure He's going to say, Thus saith the Lord thy God, move ye and thy family to Timbuktu. Sell all you got and give it to the poor. And we're going... I know as soon as I go talk to him, that's what he's going to say to me. No, he might just say, why don't you treat your wife nice? (laughs) What? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Listen, there is nothing that we've talked about in this series that is complicated. God just says, move toward me. You might be amazed at what happens. Just simple little things that set you free, pulls off the stress. Now you can live a stress-free life, entering into the rest of God, all because daily you're getting a word from God, little bitty tidbits, things that He says, things that He does. Praise God that just shows you that He's always with you. He's on your side. He's there to help. He wants to see you succeed in your household, your marriage, your family, your business, your finance, your health, your life. He wants you to succeed in that more than you do. But He's the one that knows how it all works. He's the one that knows all the things you're dealing with. He's the one that knows the the inabilities and weaknesses. He's the one that knows the temptations. He knows it. So why not move toward Him and trust Him in that? And let Him walk you through life so you can reign. So you can be built up and you can receive the inheritance you're called to. Don't avoid God. Move toward God. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Did you get something today? Come on. Why don't you all stand up? Thank you for giving me you know, a few extra minutes there. Appreciate that. But now you're really hungry. Amen. Father, we give you praise, glory, and honor. Thank you once again for the gospel of grace. Thank you once again, hallelujah, for this rest that we're called to. Thank you once again, Lord, for every, every word, every 
everything you speak into our life, whether it be the, the, your voice or whether it be the written word, things that we grab hold of, we thank you that your word is living and it is powerful. And I am not, and I believe this congregation has the same heart. We do not want to follow the example of the children of Israel there in the wilderness. What we want to follow, amen, is the patriarchs of faith who made the decision to move towards you every day of their life, to lean on you and trust in you, to hear your words and to follow them. So, Father, I give you praise, glory, and honor for your sheep that know your voice, hear your voice, and follow your voice. For that I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give God praise. Come on, somebody. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.